I've got the question. Okay, go. Okay, ready? <sighs> Rihanna. Sam. Who was your sexual awakening? David Bowie. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, like David, Labyrinth? Labyrinth but, David oh, Bowie. Have we talked about this? Yeah, we have. Okay, okay. Labyrinth David, David Bowie. Bowie all the way. His crutch was oh, fire. <laughs> that crutch is my desire. La, la, la. And then he was like kind was of so, effeminate as well and he had the massive mullet also, and he wore makeup. That and then movie he was, was so, like oh. so creepy but also he was hot and you were like, I don't know how oh. to feel anymore. I would be like, yes, I'm going to marry the Goblin King. Yes. I don't want to fuck that little baby. Come here. <laughs> Oh. I love that, like, power of voodoo, like, hoodoo, <laughs> you do. <laughs> power of the babe. Power of the babe. Um, but also, dance magic, dance. Dance, <laughs> dance magic, dance. <laughs> but I also feel like it's kind of a little creepy that she was only 17 and he was like, however old. And then you go back and you watch a lot of these shows and they're like sexual, like, central character who is the female or whatever and they're like quite young yeah, and the male like, is always like 20 years older and you're like that's a bit uncomfortable yeah hollywood seems pretty fucked up though yeah it seems very fucked up <laughs> so i'm not like oh. but yeah i think david bowie was like like he was just so hot and like, i remember watching labyrinth when i was like six or seven and be like what is happening to me <laughs> And it's so like clocked on. You're like, what? (laughs) I think, yeah, him or like in my teenage years, like every other female, I had a crush on Bam Majera. Wow. What? No, no, he was pretty spunky, but like, yeah. I mean, maybe I was just like more of a like a a weirdly sexual child. But then there's also like I have a list almost like David Bowie, number one. But then also Tim Curry, Dr. Frankenfurter in. Like I was deeply as traumatized by that as like somewhat as much as a like eight-year-old can be turned on. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I think it's just... I don't know. You could really break this down as a psychologist. You'd be like, you've got some things going on. But also, not only, um, then there's also Devin something or other. Did you ever watch Casper? Yes. Casper becomes the real boy. Yes. That kid. He's hot. He's so hot. Oh, he was hot. When we were children. He's so not now. When we were children, we were hot. If you compare it, Stephen, can you find Devin? I don't know his last name, so it might help if you go the... Casper, the friendly guy. Casper or the Mighty Giants or the Little Giants or something. They were a football team. Mighty Ducks? No, no, no. That was good. That was hockey. This was like Little Giants or something and they were a football team. <gasps> yes. Oh, grown he's up, he's all kinds dinner. of messed up. His nose is massive. Mm-hmm. He did not age well. Oh, mm. hard pass. Yes. <laughs> For sure. But then look at this little photo here with this little to die for. His little like bow, Cupid's bow hair and it's Mm. so cute. Mm. Him Mm. and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. (gasps) Yes, Tim the Toolman. Yes. He was Come on, you'd be like. Where is he now? He's fat now. Can we Google him now? Yeah, Google Jonathan Taylor Thomas right now. Can we do that? I just want to know what he looks like right now. Oh, my God, this is so scary. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, but him and Christina Ricci, who was oh, the yeah. – when they were, like, nearly kissing, you're like, oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, oh actually, oh. Jonathan Taylor Thomas is hot. He's – oh. I regret everything I said about him being fat. Fuck that. He's gorgeous. He's so beautiful. Wow, he has glasses now. Yeah. Oh, he looks like he'd be someone's dad, but I'm down for it. <laughs> Oh, he's honestly, woof. Oh, he's, woof. Yeah. I'm feeling all kinds of things. I think we have to postpone the podcast. <laughs> he's so beautiful. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. And that's the little kid in that photo there. That's the guy, the dick from 10 Things I Hate About You. <gasps> yes. The biggest dick, but he was so funny. That's hilarious. We will post uh, updates about Jonathan Taylor Thomas on our Instagram. I think Jared Leto is pretty all right, but like he's also a massive dick. Then I'm just like, just don't care for him. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Ben Majira. I mean, okay. Yeah, Ben's pretty pretty right. Yeah. Mm. And then there was also that phase like where. I remember, yeah, girls at school like were hardcore crazy about him, and they had like his sticker. What's his brand called? 
Is it just oh, Bam? Bam. Or something? Yeah. But they had like all this sticky. So that thing that he has, like the hardogram. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. actually, uh, <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Uh, the hardogram is actually a symbol from the band called Him. Oh. And that's like a Finnish uh, love metal band. Oh. And the only reason I remember this is because we got tickets to go see him at the Big Top in Luna Park. And I ran up my mom's phone bill calling my boyfriend when I was 15 oh. <laughs> to like 400 bucks. And my Ooh. mom was like, you're not going to that concert. And every and I'm just like, I can't believe you're going to make me miss it. And I was so depressed and oh, it's so upset. I would have too. Oh, my gosh. Should we yeah, introduce the podcast? Hey, yeah, we should. Hey. <laughs> this is a weird. <laughs> this is a weird day. Hi, guys. Hi. I'm Rihanna. I think we, I'm sorry. Can we take him down? Yeah, He's it's distracting. Distract I can't He's look distractingly at beautiful. Jonathan Taylor Thomas's <laughs> face while we do this. Wow. Woo. That was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. So many images. So much stimulation. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I'll look at that later. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in the spank bank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry guys we're so delirious it's been a long evening but we're having fun we are having fun yeah. I'm Rihanna and I'm Sam and every week we get together and we tell each other Australian true crime stories <laughs> and one of us reacts <laughs> only Jonathan Taylor Thomas we make those noises Okay, stop. It's weird now. Um, okay. So I went last week with the family cult story and our guest star, Kat, who was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So great. It was uh, so good having her in. Yeah, she was like just a cool chick to hang out with. She's yeah. the best. So amazing. Yeah. And this week is Sam's week. Yeah. And so I'm going to talk a little bit of story. I'm going to try and not like over talk like I usually do. <laughs> Because I just get obsessed with like weird, unnecessary. She says, things. I'm going to over talk, and she, she <laughs> turns over five pages, guys. I'm just going to settle in. Yeah, settle in. Settle in for the night. Like, <laughs> Camp out. <laughs> what time we got here? Let's try and. I've got like a bottle of cider. I'm good. Oh, yeah. We'll just chill on the couch. Okay. It's the best time when you don't have to go. Like, I know. Right? It's the, like the best. You can just I'm like, out. oh, yeah, cool. I didn't have to do homework. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this week, drum roll. That was a really poor drum roll because I was holding the mic in one hand. And I wasn't helping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were just like, you can fend for yourself. Yeah. The Gun Alley Murder. The what? Gun Alley Murder. So, a murder. I presume <gasps> in an alley with a gun. <laughs> and can I get a candlestick an in the basement. <laughs> it was the butler <laughs> in the drawing room. What is a drawing room? I don't know. That game is weird. I feel like it was probably invented at a time where like people were really rich and were like, let's invent a game. Well, we, but actually, oh, they actually did it. Yeah, they did. Do you imagine? That's yeah. hilarious. Creepy. Hey? Um, but also being crime lovers, we were obsessed with that game. Oh, oh, I loved it. I I'd always to, just look at the like case file and be like. Oh. I'd always have to like cheat because I'm bad at board games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a. Um, that's why no one plays with me anymore. So, <laughs> like, we, at Christmas we played Cranium and I was too drunk and I just fucked up and I got really upset when we lost. <laughs> yeah, but I've been I, training I, up I'll and every it. day That's I've been it. learning Cranium and That's every it. day I've made it better. <laughs> so this Christmas I'm going to destroy you. Yes. <laughs> Be like, remember me when I was last year? Well, now, boom. <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> Tell me about some murder, Sam. Okay, so this murder will take place in... An alley with a gun. <laughs> Nally with a gun. Uh, in 1921. Ooh, I like it's a bit of my first like historical murder. I like a vintage crime. You know, like, historical Let's pre 1950s. What would have happened in 1921? Well, the Great Recession. 19. What was that? 1920s, 1930s. I don't know. <laughs> uh, imagine. I okay, can we imagine their garb? Like what would they be wearing? Uh, no ankles were allowed to be shown, so a Ooh. lot of like, um, well, I mean, that's not. I, mean, I also have to go. Well, what like what we sort of know in like media and whatever of the 1920s is going to be a little bit different to Australia, which was still a relatively young country because we got to think from 1770 to 1920. That's yeah. only like 140 years. 
Um, that was quick maths. So, I know. I'm like, was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? 30, 50, 50, 150 years. Um, and so, like, and if you think about it, uh, we had celebrating Queensland existing for like 150 years, like uh, when I was 15. So, like 10 years ago, we had a 150 year celebration. And at the time, maybe a couple of years before that, the Melbourne Cup had been running for 150 years. Whoa. So, yeah, you've got to think like um, the map of Melbourne, I saw it, we'll have to put this up as well. There's a really cool like old vintage map of Melbourne and it's literally like a tenth of the size Melbourne is now. That's like insane. just Melbourne Metro and that was it and the rest was just like vast area. Whoa. There was mining that was happening in uh, Western Australia and there was the gold, there was still sort of, uh, the, I mean, the gold rush was like 1860s, no, yeah, yeah, I think 1860s. Um, but there were still sort of like echoes of that. Like people were still trying to dig for gold and there were still gold mines here so and it was there. Like and crazy times. Yeah, crazy times. Uh, it was, I mean, before World War One, but, um, you know, not long. Uh, no. Sorry. It was before <laughs> World War Two. sorry, yeah. but it was only like uh, 1918. So, yeah. Four or five years after World War One, wow, ended rather. Uh, so yeah, I, I would still say that there was probably um, people coming back from the war. There were still people. There's probably people suffering with PTSD. Might not have been a lot of money. Yeah, um, things would have been tight, and so people would have gone for these sort of places like uh, gold mining and mining and other things like that. Uh, women, of course. So we've also got to look at uh, racism within Australia towards Indigenous Australians and towards um, Chinese, towards uh, Germans, towards anyone who was of sort of like not like white traditional like like in quotation sort of marks yes. there like English sort of descent. Anglo-Saxon. Uh, Anglo-Saxon, exactly. Um, That's crazy. And also, yeah, uh the difference between women and men and, you know, women going still going to university or to get an education in order to sort of find a partner. Yeah. Uh, children were severely, like, punished, like, sort of, and, and disciplined and... But also um, they were, like, what, what's the, like, not a latchkey kid, but, like, running in the streets, just, yeah, like, playing stickball. And also, like, kids were the errand the errand runner of the family. They would be like, oh, fetch a, this meat parcel from down at the butcher and go take it to your auntie's house. Or if we need to get these groceries, go down. And they would send like seven-year-old child go down to get something or a 12-year-old, which just like you wouldn't necessarily do now. Like parents I, now would be like, oh. Have you ever seen Call the Midwife? No. That show blew my mind because it must it's like some historical accuracy. Mm. But people just leave their kids outside in their prams and then go inside a house. That happens in Iceland still. What? Yeah. Okay. So they basically, Iceland's very small anyway, but because the baby's asleep, yeah. and rather than bring the baby inside, because a lot of the places are sort of like smallish, um, they would rather not disturb the baby and they leave it outside. But there's always someone in there you know, having their eyes on the, on the trolley. So like when I was going to Iceland, someone, I was like reading all these sort of do's and don'ts kind of things or whatever, like a typical tourist. And they were like, don't be alarmed if there's just a pram randomly there. Because I would have been like, oh my gosh, this baby, you know, <laughs> not that I ever saw it, but yeah, like, so it's. Uh, That's so weird. Yeah. Again, that's not something that we sort of are familiar with in our like overproductive nope. society. Nope. Um, and so, yeah, uh, and if anyone else knows some cool things that were happening around Melbourne or around anywhere else in Australia in the 1920s, like send it in. Yeah, we Write can. some stuff. Okay, so basically this is set in Melbourne in 1920s and as we sort of set the, uh, yeah, yeah, this is the cool metro wow. map. So like look how small it is. It's like literally metro Melbourne. And that's it. And then the Yarra. And that's it. It's crazy. It's not even that's like inner 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 metro, like C B D. It's not even like Yeah. South Dock. Yeah. It's just yeah. That's crazy. So this is what Melbourne would have looked like at the time of um this murder that we're gonna talk about. Wow. So 
This murder, uh, I will forewarn, it does uh, entail uh, tragic circumstances surrounding a child, um, just as a sort of like disclaimer. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so Alma uh, Tershk, it's T-I-R-T-S-C-H-K-E. I'm thinking Tershke, Tershk. I'm going to settle on Tershk. Yeah, that's fine. Um, her real name is actually Nell Alma Tershk. Uh, but she was born in – I've got to get the right date here because I realised I didn't actually write it down um, – 1909 because she was 12 at the time of the murder. So that math works out, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. When Why I are you asking me this yeah. question? <laughs> Maths. Okay, so she was um, born in uh, 1909 uh, to uh, – her two parents, uh, the mum was actually called Nell. Uh, no, no, Alma was the mum's name. Here, I've got it all written here. Um, so Charles Tershke or Tershk and then Nell Alger. So then they actually moved from Western Australia to Rhodesia. So what is their background? Because they surely can't be. No, no. I mean, they would have been probably background is maybe like Polish or German. Oh, okay. Like kind of like English. Yeah. Eastern I mean, European. Eastern European for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so they basically, uh, she was born, yeah, Western Australia. Then they left and went to Rhodesia, which was a like a unrecognized colony in like South of Africa oh. uh, where they were doing like some mining and stuff there at the time. And that's cool. Yeah. And then. They had their second child, Viola, and then I love I love a vintage name. <laughs> oh right! Oh yeah, okay. Viola. Oh, Viola, Viola, and Alma. Or oh, her real name was Nell. I really like Nell though. Um, but everyone referred to her as Alma. But so on their way back to Australia, because this sort of work had dried up or whatever, and they just decided to return back to the gold mines because he was gold mining and 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 everything else in WA. And um, the mother got sick with their third child and she actually died while they are at sea. Oh, and that's rough. And I don't think they had the third child, so I think she lost that child as well. And they buried her at sea. Oh. And I'm just like, I just have that's to. That's so this. rough. Like, this is so rough. I was like, oh, that's hard. People are tougher in the 20s. Yeah. You know what I mean? I couldn't let go of my partner and just, I would rather them sit on the boat. But again, if that body is there on the boat and they're rotting and that contaminates anything around and, you know, it can Look, just lead to illness. We live in a world disease. now where that will never be a thing that happens never, to us. Never, ever. <laughs> we'll never have to make that choice. No. But it's a little – Mally's, like, so into the love tonight. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so then the dad gets in Melbourne because they arrive in Melbourne and he's just like, you know what, I can't look after these two kids without my wife, poos. And he drops <gasps> them with his parents in Mel- who live in Melbourne, like in the CBD. And I was just kept thinking this whole time. I'm like, oh, how lucky their place would be worth so much money now. <laughs> I'm like a poor person. Who I do have dreams like, where I go back in time, oh, buy real estate. And I come know, back to and this they come time. back and you're like, mm, rub your hands, like a little fly. Yeah, <laughs> um, my real estate. <laughs> and uh, he nicks off back to WA and gets back to the mining. So the two girls are raised by their grandparents, um, but... It's they're in luck because she has like five adult daughters and they help raise these two kids. And I was just like, that's so weird to hear like five adult daughters. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, because this is a time where you weren't really allowed to leave the home. You wouldn't get leave unless you were married. Unless you were married. So oh if you didn't God. get married, you're just like at home with your folks till, you know, you could be in your 40s or whatever or like <laughs> your you, you become a teacher or you do. But they get married at like 15 back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah. Well, so they are uh, a couple of years after they sort of have the two young girls when they're still quite young, the grandfather passes away. Mm-hmm. And then so it's just the grandmother to raise them. And then she becomes really quite strict and like stern with the kids and disciplining them and especially Alma. And as a result, she becomes a really studious, really reliable, really intelligent, smart young girl but also very shy because her grandmother also limited her uh, social interactions with other kids. Like she, you know, instead of going out and playing whatever, she'd have to come home and she'd have to study or she'd have to do housework around the house or whatever. 
Um, and so like, I've got a couple of quotes, like people talking about her and I thought this was really great. Cause I actually found quite a bit of information on, uh, Alma and who she was as a child, which shocked me because a, it's an old case and B, we never like, got that kind of information. We never sort of get that for the victim, but also she was 12 years old. It's not like she had a lived a life of 45 years or whatever. Um, so Viola said, which is a sister said she was soft in speech and soft in manner. And oh. the uncle referred to Alma uh, like he thought of her uh, as someone with a bright disposition. She was somewhat reserved and did not make friends readily like some girls. She lacked the vivacious manner, then encourages chance in acquaintance. Don't you like love the way people spoke uh, about each other back beautiful. then? So much of these quotes. I'm like, oh, it's lovely. Just rolls off the tongue. Disposition. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it was like, you know, she was quite... Um, pretty reserved and um, very studious and very reliable. So as a result, on the afternoon of the December 30, 1921, mm-hmm. when Alma's grandmother had sent her on an errand to – okay, I read two different sources. One said that it was the auntie that sent her to pick up a, a parcel of meat – uh, like from the butcher. You know when you pick up those parcels, yeah. those meat parcels. <laughs> and because I think they, I, mean, I swear I read somewhere, I couldn't find the article again, but that they had sort of run like a butcher as well. And so to drop it to a customer. Yeah. But then I read another article where it was actually, not that this is a big deal, but I'm like every small little thing, I'm like, but what was it? Um, where the grandmother had sent the niece, and this will actually, this actually is semi-important, like a little later down um, the track, but she sent her with to get the meat parcel and then to take it to her cousin's place. Okay. And then this, Erin, because they all live like so close, the, I mean, you've been in Melbourne too, like the alley with the streets are so close together. Yeah. Um, that it would have taken like 15 minutes to go down, collect it, walk there and then come back. So then, of course, by the time she – and because she is such a reliable, obedient child that she didn't come back in 15 minutes, the grandmother was straight away was like, no, nah, something's not right. So then she called the police and then there was a search party looking out all night for her oh. and her uh, naked body was found uh, behind uh, the sort of – in amongst the uh, an alleyway, which is called, which was known as Gun Alley, and wow. behind a well-known uh, sort of saloon. Oh, great! Yeah, which is sort of around the corner. They were saying all like on Little Collins Street, which we know now. Oh my god! Yeah, so it's like, and then when I sort of had that sort of relevance, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've I know this area, you know. This. Yeah. Um, and she was, the newspapers reported that she was uh, outraged, which is what they referred to rape back then. So she What? Was, yeah. Hold up. Outraged. It was, so you were outraged? Yeah. Well, that was the term that they used to describe rape back then. So f- not that she was actually outraged, like she- was right. Yeah, I. That's so, so that bizarre. The that they used, and I, I thought that was really quite interesting. I was like, wow, what a weird so thing to say. She was uh, raped and murdered. They and via uh, strangulation. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Fuck. And fifteen so, minute walk. Fifteen minute walk. It's and like no it. time. Yeah, and also it's kind of like yeah. Well, I don't know if I would be giving my twelve year old like an errand to just do that. But sort of in the twenties, it's like, like normal. Well, I mean, you wouldn't think that anything would happen and, oh, it's just fucking awful. Um, so, uh, of course, like the news gets back to the family and they're just devastated. But, it, like, it sends absolute, like, waves, shock waves through the community and everyone, yeah. of course, is outraged, not in that sense, but, like, like just completely um, shocked, and- shocked, and just appalled that someone would do this to a child, and so there's a lot of like public outcry, and there's a lot of pressure on the police to try and find the person who did this, uh, and so the police start like interviewing all these people, and they interview, in amongst uh, a number of other people, a, a guy by the name of Colin Campbell Ross, yeah, who is the owner of this saloon, which is this famous bar that he owns with his brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they interview a few other people, um, but a couple of the detectives just for some reason have their sights set on this guy 
And also we've got to think there's still, there's a lot of um, like racist sort of undertones and because he had dark hair, he was of slightly darker complexion, skin, he had dark eyes and a lot of people sort of talked about his dark eyes and how, you know, he just might have been of Spanish heritage or he might have been a Greek heritage. (laughs) Why would you pick Spanish? Because you have these beautiful brown deep (laughs) eyes that I just get lost in. Stop, (laughs) Sam. And like, but that was something enough. And also the, and they talk about it that, um, the German community were targeted. Like they just all Ooh. of a sudden were like, oh, yeah, it's got to be, you know, the Germans. So the police was sort of investigating people and, um, whoa. Yeah, as you do, 1920s. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, not just, yeah. I mean, they'd give them a reason in 20 years' time or so. Oh. Uh, actually, no, 26. Yeah, there he is. So you can see here, we've got the picture up. We'll put this on Facebook too. He's got these really sort of deep. He's. Like I, I hate really to say this about people who I might be terrible, but he's attractive. <laughs> no, he is very attractive. He looks but like he what a hipster really looks like now. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it's honestly. come back around, it guys. Has. And his eyes, like they're so engaging, but like slightly scary. His but his nose is like off center, but also mm. perfect, and he's got a quite deep um, Cupid's bow. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. He's yeah yeah, and his hair is what I'm into. Yeah, it's like sparse, but like he look if he like now he would own like a bar in Melbourne, but yeah. it'd be trendy. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was trendy of, back then too. But like, like not full of yeah, I don't know burlesque girls, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it probably will be. Yeah, who well, knows? Hey, the world's a crazy knows? place. That's right. That's right. Um, and so Colin Campbell Ross has like a slight history. Uh, in terms of like a criminal record, not too long ago, I think it was maybe like a couple of months ago, he had just been acquitted of a armed robbery charge mm-hmm. where... Um, That's chill. Yeah, yeah, just casually. So like there was apparently an English traveller and he had run out of all his money and apparently Colin had gotten him to go and rob this guy in an alleyway and he got shot. The guy survived, um, but then apparently he sort of like dobbed on Colin and said that it was a scheme. And then there was one of his employees. I don't know if I've written down her name, but I really should have because she's a bit of a pivotal character in this story. Um, He – and then he sort of like dobbs on her and I couldn't quite work out if he was actually guilty or if it was just sort of um, just – misjudgment of character or whatever but the traveler did get sentenced and he was sent to prison for like six months or something um and so i i suspect though it sort of sounded to me that this other female employee was the one who set it up right uh or she was either she knew about it and she was trying to cover for colin um but then she ended up like stealing from colin and he just like he sacked her he was like no you can leave um, but then also a couple of years before that, he had proposed to this woman that he was in love with and she said no. And Ooh, so he that's pulled, harsh. Yeah, but he Oof. pulled a gun on her and was like, you have to marry me. Why does he have a and gun? And then like followed her on the proposal. tram with a gun and had her <laughs> like on the tram with a gun at her and was like, you have to say yes. And she was like, okay, okay, we'll meet up tomorrow. And then he's like, yeah, okay, cool. And then, of course, she doesn't. As That's you so wouldn't. smart. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, okay, okay, but let's, you know, let's make it special order. And then she calls the cops. And then I think he goes to prison for like Do you six want to like really take the edge off your proposal if you bring a gun? <laughs> yeah, right? And then she has to say yes. You can't lose. Um, <laughs> Don't do that. Just chill out. <laughs> but by all means, like it seemed like he was, he had done some things here and there, but he wasn't like... They're like, it doesn't match the MO. absolute criminal. Yeah. No. And he wasn't like, and he seemed like a reformed guy. Like he had gotten this money with his brother and they bought the saloon off someone else and they had like renamed it. And I forget the name of it. Um, but this same disgruntled employee who he sacked was like always had it in for him because he turned the place, he like changed it apparently. And the respectable clientele that would come in changed and they started getting rowdy like drunkards that would come in and would change the atmosphere of the place. I think she'd probably just pissed off that she's not getting her tips anymore because people are like, fuck you, get my beer. Um, But I also just think, oh, she just sounds so stuck up. Like, far out. Um, Yeah, Everyone's been fired at least once. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, <laughs> and so, anyway, so they like uh, interview quite a few people, but they sort of catch Colin, and of course, just bad luck for Colin that she was found in the close vicinity to his bar, like right behind his bar in the alley. Right. And so they go, yeah, no, this is our man. So this is what I found really crazy. January 12th, 1922, her death was on 30th of December, 1921. 13 days later, they arrest him. So That's surprisingly people. quick for Australia because nothing gets done over New Year's. I know, but also it also it goes to show like how the pressure that these police officers felt to actually like put someone in handcuffs. Well, they just did, were like, well, yeah, yeah. But also, like one of the detectives was like, when they went to his house and they like sort of did a bit of a search, the detective spotted a blanket in his house and it had like two or three sort of like light, long blonde hairs, believing to be like of a female. How the fuck he spotted that, I don't even know. So I'm like, I have hair everywhere. And if you just randomly find, oh, a blanket with like two hairs. Oh, that's suspicious. So then he gets that blanket and he brings it into the office. And they try and get someone to like test the hairs. Keeping in mind there is like no level of like real forensic science back then. Like there's no DNA testing. Uh, a lot of it, you know, um, seems like pseudo kind of like turn of the century. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, they they did attempt it, but it literally it was just like the worst thing that they could have done. Because I'll sort of go into that in depth, but like you have to think when they brought the blanket back, they put it in the police office, and all they did was they kept it on a desk. Yeah, and that was it. So there was no bagging of the evidence. There was no putting it in a room. So cross-contamination is fucked. Like there would have been so much other stuff that could have got in on that. And maybe those hairs that they did actually eventually test were not even the original hairs that they found. And who knows? those hairs weren't even original hairs. The police officers wanted to pick somebody and were like. And planted it. Yeah. Yeah, Who knows? But so they ended up finding this guy called Charles. I do have it a bit later on. Charles. trial. Charles. Charles. Charles, where are we? Okay, trained chemist. Uh, lengthy statement. How do I not name him? I say, okay, his first name is Charles. Charles. Um, so basically he was like, oh, I'm like, um, they found him. He was a trained chemist, right? Mm-hmm. Not a forensic scientist and not like sort of in that field or anything. And he was like, oh, okay. You know, back in those days, like opiates were like all the rage. Yeah. <laughs> he was like probably off his tits. Most likely. Yeah. And he basically was like, oh, here's, here's, here's what I can do. I can take a microscope and I can look at Alma's hairs mm. under the microscope and compare them to these other hairs we found. But that doesn't make... It doesn't make any... None of this makes sense. No sense. But that was a theory he thought, you know, fit. And of course they were like, oh, yes, yes, a trained person in this kind of field. Um, but he went in court and so, like, the trial began, began and he basically has this lengthy statement about, like, oh, yeah, okay, the two hairs, uh, uh, one is of auburn, like, light sort of colour, the other one's, like, a deep red. Alma's hair was deep red and then the, the thickness was different and he starts describing all these things where they're just obviously not from the same person. Yeah. And then he goes to conclude and say... Well, it came from one and the same person. So saying like, yeah, the hairs are from the same person, which is bullshit and such a contradictory statement in itself saying, well, these features aren't the same and you would conclude to go, well, they couldn't be from the same person. But then he says they are from the same person. But also like surely your hair strands are different strand by strand, right? But like it it would be like say my length hair, right? And you pull that out. And then that's my hair's like a mid length. And then you take someone who's got red hair and long red hair and take that out. Then you yeah. just know they're, different. they're it's, different. It's not like they're taking something that's slightly brown and saying, you know, same length and whatever. But still, it's just, it's not something that you could ever just be like, yeah, this is, unless you had DNA testing available. Yeah. Which they didn't, obviously, you know, until 60 years later. Um, so then also in court, we heard from two witnesses. Mm -hmm. So basically the only evidence they had to convict Colin 
was this chemist saying, yeah, the hairs came from the same person. Mm. Also, I, I like I was like, hang on, how did Colin, if he's at work and he had so many other witnesses say he was at work all night, you know, work in the bar, how did he go find this girl who wasn't obviously necessarily in an alleyway per se, drag her into this alleyway, take her home because the hairs need to be at his house, remember? Yeah. Because they were on the blanket. Take her home then rape and murder her at home and then come back to the alley and leave her there naked. Like that doesn't make any logical sense that he would do that. So how did the hairs end up at his house? Do you know what I mean? Like there's so many things that you're just like, it makes no actual sense. It's all crazy. the police officers didn't care. They just, I wrote in this, they just wanted to see someone hanged for the murder and they didn't care who. Whoa. Hanging. mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. No. That was how people were killed back then. Oh, and, my God, I forgot that. Um, in thinking as well, this is something I didn't realise, but um, like death penalty wasn't actually banned in Victoria until like 1975 or something. Whoa. Yeah. I was like, whoa. That's that, crazy. Like, I, that's not that long ago. Um, and hanging was still used in various different states. Like the last person hanged in Queensland was like in 1913. Whoa. Um, there's like dates for these, like the last people hanged in each state because then obviously they moved to electric chair and lethal injection and, and what have you. Um, but so, yeah, this is also another giving you a sense of like the period that we're in. Um, and so they then had the witnesses, so the disgruntled employee who was sacked, <gasps> right? She goes, yeah, 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 he confessed the murder to me. She came Whoa. in the bar apparently. She just lost her job. Yeah. Just chill yeah. out, Martha. Yeah. And like apparently Alma comes in the bar and she sat there consensually from three till six and drank and then he raped and murdered her. Also, it doesn't make sense because like who's not going to notice this 12-year-old girl like being in the bar? Like yeah. no one else had said that she was in the bar. And also how like more people around at certain times. There's just so many things. I'm like, it just doesn't seem feasible. And then also another guy was, um, he said that, yeah, he confessed to me too. He was actually in prison at the time for a charge of perjury, (laughs) which is just so ironic that he's like, yeah. So he's like (laughs) such a credible witness. This is the thing, Rihanna. Like this is the thing. They're two like really bad witnesses that today you would never see these people up there because they would just tear them to bits because they would say, well, you're not that, you know, they would definitely tear their character. Plus they were in it for the incentive because the police uh, in Victoria offered the highest reward at that time. And I think for quite some years after it was a thousand pounds. Whoa. Or I read somewhere else it was like 1200 pounds but you just imagine like a thousand dollars now is worth a lot of money let alone the pound conversion rate then you got to think like in like inflation inflation, that's money how much that would be worth now i think it was like oh i do have a number on it it was ninety one thousand five hundred dollars whoa so imagine they're like ninety one thousand five hundred dollars and you just got to go up there and you know so like they and they never question these things and when the lawyers sort of would bring up aspects in the trial, it was always overlooked. Then you've also got one of the biggest issues for this case was that the newspaper was saturated with this information. Yeah. Even before he went to trial. So they had all this information about Colin Ross and he's the, sus- he's the suspected killer and all of this other stuff and people coming forward and all these testimonies and then they're judging his character based on his looks and his dark complexion. And, and then everyone's like pissed off of him. for yeah. little, for, Well, I mean that woman who he proposed to has yeah. a right to be pissed off yeah, of him. Of, fair enough. And you like, know, fair play to her. Yeah, fair play all the way. And so like they had all of this um, and his, one of his lawyers actually says a really great um, statement in reference to this sort of unfair treatment that he received. So this is stated much later after the trial and unfortunate um, execution. Uh, The lawyer says, Ross had been tried by public opinion before the jury even went into the box. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is not the evidence here I fear. It is the preconceived opinion. The extraordinary publicity given to the charges made it possible for any average collection of men to clear their mind of convictions on one side or the other. Also, jury members at this time were all men. None were female. Oh, yeah. None were allowed to be female. That's why you have so, the film 12 Angry Men. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And it's also a play. Uh, so that... Um, also goes to show that he had not a single fighting chance. Mm. Like it was done before he went even in there because the newspapers reported that he was guilty. All these other people were saying that he's guilty and yet they just completely overlooked the evidence. And even when the lawyer brought up this idea that, hey, the chemist with the contradictory hair statement, the judge just overlooked it and just sort of overruled and wasn't actually willing to – listen to reasons for him actually being innocent because i guess when it's such a shocking thing to happen it's a child yeah so you want someone to be like yeah held accountable for it but like it doesn't make it right no and you want to get the right person because they're most likely going to be a repeat offender as history has proven us. yes you know not that they would sort of have that information it's only sort of now it's very common knowledge that yeah. someone who's going to commit a crime like that is definitely going to be a really high chance of being a re- repeat offender. Yeah, of course. Um, so unfortunately, uh, as much as his li- lawyers um, like tried their hardest, they just couldn't contend with this, the witness statements and the chemist um, of the hair because that was the most damning evidence that they sort of had, evidence in like air quotes because it's not really evidence. Um and so, unfortunately, he was convicted uh, and found guilty Whoa. of murder and rape uh, of uh, Nell Alma Tushk. Oh. And but it would be in 1921. Um, it all happened. Sorry, 1922. So it's all happened over like six months. It was like a really short period. So she was killed nine, at December 30, 1921. Yeah. He was arrested 1922, January 12. And then he was convicted and found guilty a couple of months after and then executed April 24th, 1922. Holy shit, it's happened so quickly. <laughs> so quickly. Uh, not even not even six months, like four months or something. Like it's just ridiculous. And his lawyers sought the right to appeal his sentence and the judge refused because he said they apparently clearly proved his guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. <coughs> Another lawyer sought to leave appeal for privy of the council in England to be like, well, this is let's try and try this again in England. Yeah. <coughs> but the judge also refused. Whoa. <coughs> so he was just a dead man walking water? at this point. Um, I will at some point. I'm just, uh, yeah. So then the date was set. April 24th, 1922, and uh, the execution was going was held at Melbourne Gale, Melbourne Jail. How do you pronounce that? Jail. Jail. Great. Yeah. It's just a different way of spelling it. Yeah, it's the proper English way of spelling it, and the way oh. we spell it, J-A-I-L, is American. Oh. The way English people spell it is J-O-A-L. G-A-L? G-A-L. Oh. Well, so he was actually hung in Melbourne Jail. Whoa. I've done like the tour of that place and you see all the photos and you read all the stories. Oh, it's so good. And it was really fun and kind of silly, but very corny. They have like police officers and they like the first half of the tour, they treat you like inmates. Oh yeah. And they sort of do the process of like what you've been charged with, how long you sentence and you go to the yeah. different rooms. This it's is my crack. This is oh, what I want. <laughs> so much fun. Um, but so um, they decided for some unknown reason to experiment and instead of using a three-strand rope, mm-hmm. so you think of like a piece of rope and how it's like twirled. Yeah. Right? So when you, if you were to cut that rope and pull it apart, there's three strands. Yeah, so it's like plaited. Yeah, exactly. So instead of using the three-strand, they decided to use a four-strand rope. Why? I have no idea, but it, they were just That's so random. Because, because it was that bit thicker because it was four strands instead of three as he dropped oh sam the rope didn't slip through like freely through the noose and he basically just sort of it like jar like jolted him and 
his neck, like his spinal cord didn't uh, sever, but it fractured. And so he was still alive and he had the rope up against his uh, neck, but his trachea was just destroyed and his larynx had like pushed in towards the back of his throat. And so all he could do was basically like have these sort of rasping breaths. Oh, my God, this is awful. And then, oh of my course, God. he was still convulsing. No. So he convulsed no. a good solid like three times uh. apparently. Like he sort of full-on bent his knees, flared his arms, and then he did three massive big sort of like jump sort of moves. And then he died like slowly by asphyxiation. the most horrendous thing anyone's ever told me. Yeah. Isn't it fucking awful when that I read is this? I was fucking like, disturbing you're as joking. Who wrote that down? <laughs> I well, it was in a report because they said it is against policy never ever to use ever a four strand. Yeah, rope again. Well, either way, this is fucked up. So fucked. But just to think, a he's an innocent man, but b he would have felt his own like neck break. Oh, Sam, stop. And then nope, his like impaled like larynx like going through like mm, just mm, mm, mm. that experience and being in pain Sam, no sorry i just so I so so gross but this is like where my mind went i think this poor man yeah he like suffered greatly oh okay so then we have uh his last words that he would have most likely sort of said before being hanged uh he said i am now face to face with my maker and I swear by almighty God that I am an innocent man. I oh, never saw worse. the child. I never committed the crime and I don't know who did. I never confessed to anyone. I ask God to forgive those who have sworn my life away. And I pray God to have mercy on my poor darling mother and my family. Oh, it's so sad. But also like. That's a lot. I love that he's like slightly passive aggressive there. I would have been like given some mad eyes at like. <laughs> The spirit where he's like, I ask God to forgive those who've sworn my life. Like, well, this is up to God. Like, I don't know what he's going to do with you guys. Like, yeah, they're like, shade. <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Shade. <laughs> oh, okay. So then we have like, I called it like the ripples and the echoes, like after the execution. Yeah. So the lawyer, um, Brennan, someone Brennan, who was just absolutely devastated yeah. That because he wholeheartedly believed, and so did the other lawyer, Maxwell, believed that he was innocent. And he just was so overwhelmed and just shocked by the fact that they literally sent like an innocent man to death. And so he wrote a book called The Gun Alley Tragedy to sort of amp up and Ooh. basically like to claim that an innocent man was was killed for this crime he didn't commit. And... Then a whole bunch of supporters sort of rallied behind him. But, of course, over the years, especially when he had tried to get the 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 court to re-examine the case mm. as a way to exonerate him from the crime posthumously, I think that's how you pronounce it, where it's like after the de- after death. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he failed. They just refused to. Uh, and then slowly all those supporters sort of just over the years just sort of lost interest um, until 1993. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we meet a man called Kevin Morgan who is a former school teacher and he – two different stories here. One is that he was influenced by a series of like haunting paintings by Charles Blackman who did a portrait called The, the Gun Alley Murder – Stephen, can you pull that up? These, he did also a series called Schoolgirls and it's the creepiest fucking paintings I've ever seen in my life. And they're just like a bunch of like little kids that are just like laying fla- face down on the ground and Ooh, like we'll have to put some up. They're I actually like, like that. amazing, but they're really creepy. And I tried to find this particular one that was like after the Gun Alley murder, but I couldn't. But also another one that said that he had like gone through some family books and sort of knew about the crime and, and apparently he had found some real letters that Colin Ross, Colin Campbell Ross wrote while he was in prison. Yeah, there we go. Oh, wow. Handwritten note. There we go. That's so crazy. And apparently he's sort of uh, in this, his talks about like the different witness testimonies and I mean, he wrote them not seeing that anyone would ever read them. Yeah. 
And so this guy starts to get really engrossed in the story. And so he starts to do his own research basically. And then he, uh, he reads all these like witness statements and things like that. And then he finds six like, like absolute solid witness statements that provide six like, like an like massive alibi for Colin Campbell Ross Whoa. that they're like, yeah, he was here all night, you know, I or I left at six o'clock and he was still here and then someone else and someone else. But they all basically said the same story. They're all really reliable, credible witnesses. And, of course, the police didn't disclose that information. Oh, my so God. So they just went on the witnesses that they found would sort of serve their purpose. And this is what I get so frustrated with. There are so many cases where police just think that they have a right to follow, I mean, yeah, to a certain level an instinct, but if the evidence is clear and the evidence is going against this air quote sort of gut instinct you have, follow the evidence because the evidence never fucking lies. Yeah. And it just makes me so frustrated that anyway – I won't go there. I won't go there. That these guys were like, oh, we have six credible people that have said he's here, but let's listen to the disgruntled employee and the criminal. Because they're probably like, let's just get this over and done with. Yeah, exactly. Because like, who wants to deal with this? Yeah. And again, everyone just wanted to see someone hang for it and they didn't care who. Mm. And so, um, and then he basically, he comes across, like through his sort of evidence searching, he comes across and he finds the hairs Oh, what? Yeah. How? I kid you not. Like these 80-year-old, I'm so sorry, Mally's like, fucking calm down. <laughs> he finds these hairs that are like 80 years old. He finds the Alma hair, the hairs, and he finds uh, the the blanket hairs. How do they have that but they don't have the Wonder Beach records? It doesn't make any fucking sense. I have no idea what is going on. But the the blanket hairs, I, I'm pretty sure it was the blanket hairs that were apparently meant to be missing, but he finds them. So I'm sure this Wanda evidence is actually somewhere, somewhere out there. lost in another file or something. And I'm sure someone will come across it one day, but he, he found it and he was like, oh my God. So then he applied for uh, basically for an independent sort of forensic lab to... <laughs> What is yeah, happening? Who hands. is this guy? He's my new like model, like role model. He's just amazing. So he, um, oh, it says here historian Kevin Morgan. So he might be a teacher and a historian. That's crazy. Yeah. But he's like one of my heroes because he then gets this independent and then the process takes six years. Six years. So from 1993, I think he gets the approval in 1996, but then they do the test test. And then they test them and then in 1998... Oh, my God. ..they find that, yes, the hairs are not a match. (gasps) They came... They're from different people. So it was either a woman that he had brought home or he had taken the blanket to the bar or something, but they were not Alma's hairs, which is kind of what the chemist sort of said at the beginning, but then he was weird and And coerced probably by the police being like, yeah the same don't just worry dug himself a hole um but also that contradictory statement like the judge didn't even go yeah well that's contradictory let's you know blah 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 anyway so then the hairs are not a match so then they're like this is the only evidence that they had against this man he's he's innocent so then they went through um the and alma's family alma tersh's family and Colin Campbell Ross's family team up <gasps> and they petition for the government to exonerate Colin Campbell Ross of the murder of Nell Alma Tersh in 2006. What is <laughs> happening? I'm so excited. <laughs> and they win. And in 2008, Colin Campbell Ross is officially, but this is the shitty pit, shitty bit. He's officially pardoned of the murder. So mm-hmm. pardon basically says there's not enough evidence to suggest you did do it, but there's also not enough sort of evidence to suggest you didn't. So yeah. it's kind of like a middle ground, but it's like we're acknowledging that you were wrongfully, but it's not exoneration. It should have been an exoneration because. I mean, what's it matter at this point? Just know, do it. I know. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. So. This is like, I was like, ah. <laughs> I know. I like when I was like, he found the fucking hairs. Okay. And then it gets slightly more interesting where. 
he's a legend and he interviews, I'm pretty sure in 1995, 96, he interviews Viola, who's still alive at this point. <gasps> this yes, is Steph. Go on. And he's like, you know, what happened? What do you think happened? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, my grandmother said that she always thought they hung the wrong man. And my family just, it never sat right with them too. They didn't believe it. And she goes, I, she basically suggests who she thinks the killer is. And one of their, like their cousin's husband, George Murphy, is a returned soldier and apparently has pedophilic tendencies. And so there'd been a number of times where he had tried to sexually assault the girls in the house and they tried to tell the grandmother, but she'd refused to listen to them. So then they sort of believe that um, she had gone to the butchers sent by her grandmother. And again, this is where the cousin's house comes in play. Because if she goes to the cousin's house and the cousin's not there, but there the is a pedophile. Is. Yeah. So apparently they believe she went to the butchers. He knew that she was going to deliver the parcel. He follows her <coughs> to the house and like a couple of people, when they did report seeing her like on the street, they said that she looked really frantic and really worried and she was kind of just really stressed. And they said, well, that makes sense is if you sort of think it in that logical order that she knew that he was sort of coming after her, he was following her and she was also a really reserved person. So she couldn't say, help me, there's a fucking pedophile on my tail. But also, like, the and person, that, a child at the the person time, that she was telling didn't believe her. Didn't believe her. So why was she How anyone am I going to go up to any her? other adult? Yeah, and try and get them to give me help. And she's around a bar, she's around an other area where she doesn't really know people. So she just looked really fretted and really scared oh, and really stressed. Bless her. And then a taxi driver had reported that he heard screams at three o'clock. <gasps> no. Right? So again, Three o'clock, how did the police ignore that when they these witnesses said, oh, between three and six she was in the bar drinking? <gasps> so the murder must have happened at six o'clock. When someone else said, no, I heard screams at three o'clock. Why people would she say, be in the bar drinking? I saw her, her scary, <clears throat> sorry, her scared. Yeah, exactly. Why would she be in the bar drinking at that? Oh, my God. So there are so many things. But also the most terrifying at all is that they not only hung an innocent man, they also didn't hang a guilty man who's out there. To God knows how many people he's, he did that to. So apparently three years later, oh no, there was another young girl who was 12 years old in similar area of Melbourne who was found in similar circumstances, raped, naked and murdered. And her name was Irene Tuckerman. They never found the killer. No. And here's another thing is that apparently... A couple of days before Colin Campbell Ross was set to be executed, he received a letter and apparently they believe it was from the killer himself and he writes, I'm so over, like, I'm so overwhelmed and just with guilt but I can't come forward and confess. I can't come forward because it will bring so much shame to my family. And he basically talks. And then you think, well, family, he is in that sort of family, what that would sort of happen for For them. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, again, also, he's a pedophile. He's just going to be a massive repeat offender because there's a really, really high rate for pedophiles to be repeat offenders. So, and, and just, like, knowing that these girls were at home and this guy that kept trying to, like, you know, infiltrate himself in their lives and try and get into positions where he could sexually assault them when they were like alone and things like that and was not ever really successful. That's a really poor choice of word uh, until, yeah. Holy fucking shit. What is Uh, this story? This is the best. What is happening right now? I know. Okay, so we have to add this to the book club. There's the tragedy of Gun Alley. Yeah. Then Kevin Morgan wrote a book. Yes, go on. (laughs) I love him and I don't know. I forget what it's called. It's a fairly long title. Stephen, can you look it up? Oh, my God. It's called, yes. Gun Alley, Murder, Lies and Failure of Justice by Kevin Morgan. Oh my! Breaking book that led to the fair first pardon for a dude. Yeah, this is right. So the first pardon in I don't know in Australia, but certainly in oh, well, there you go in Australia. <laughs> this isn't on the book. It says right there on the cover. <laughs> so in Australia, 
oh my god kindle oh. version is nine dollars thirty free paperback is five hundred and eight dollars are you joking kid no no that's not lol uh no uh so like and the more like there would be so much more information uh, in this book and in it would be really great to read The Tragedy of Gun Alley This is well. the fucking best. Like I was so obsessed with A, that this whole me- – Oh. Steven just pulled out the book. We're going to stop readers. Can for- we go to – I bet you they fucking have it at the Library of New South Wales. Let's go. They have to. Let's go. This is probably the most – I've never heard this. I know. I know. I'd never heard it either and I just went to – good old Wikipedia and I was going through like murders that happened. It was really interesting because as I was saying, it was like the, the last man to be murdered by, uh, sorry, uh, executed by hanging in Queensland was 1913. And it was because he had killed a young girl, but it's really creepy because there's all, all these like early sort of 1900s in each state there's a fucking person who's killed a young girl, raped and murdered a young girl. Oh, And it's cringe. just like, I'm just like, oh. Mm. So, yeah, and it's like there's just, but uh, like I lost it. I literally lost it when I heard that he was like, you know. What a fucking. Found the hairs. This is crazy. Like, this is the craziest story. Absolute like rogue hero, like. Absolutely amazing. This is like the thing though, like now everyone's going to be like a web sleuth and like that's just crazy. Like Mm. you can just get online and check some facts and be like, yep, here's some detective work. Well, you think of Michelle McNamara when it comes to um, Lost in the – I'll Be Gone in the Dark and how she – like I know Paul Holes did a lot of research and a lot of great detective work on that. Uh, and it could have just been a coincidence that she simultaneously came up with the idea, but I don't think necessarily. But she came up with the idea basically to um, take DNA and, you know, put it in the database because she sort of tested with herself and then she's tested with other people. And then she gave that to the detectives. Yeah. And they sort of like went from there. And that's when the genealogists like did the whole family tree branch. And they're actually trying, they're actually using that technique to find. A lot of criminals now. Yeah, they they and say like old cold cases and things. They're saying they're trying to find the Zodiac killer that way. Oh my god, which would be so exciting. Oh, can you imagine? I know. I would love for him to still be alive. Yeah, that'd be he fucking. Would be though. That'd be so weird. Oh, there was like the Golden State Killer. Not like, not saying anything, but I'm kind of like happy. Like he was such a disappointment because he was just like a truck mechanic and just was like. So annoying and so OCD and he was lactose intolerant. Not that that's a bad thing at all, but like yeah, send he, back up. No, he went off at a waitress because she put cheese in his sandwich and he was like, what are you trying to do? Kill me? What and like threw his cheese out and I was like, you're an asshole to like weird stuff. I don't like you. But yeah. And then I was just like, oh, you're not like this some mysterious like That's killer. the thing. With the Zodiac, I'm just like, he's probably going to be like, I don't know, like a, a pharmacist or something that yeah. just, you know. Nerd. <laughs> yeah. Nerd. And I'm going to be like, great. You're going to be humiliated. And no. Anyway. Sam, that was really great. Thank you. That I was, was so really, good. really great. Oh, I was, so I was enjoyed like it. getting there and being like, where is this going? But this was really, really great. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so, so happy this it. happened to me. <laughs> I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And we have to read these books. We have to go to the New South Wales like library and see if we can find this book and like read it. Oh. <gasps> You're in the National Library of Australia. Stephen. Yeah, Stephen's already Can like on it. Can you read it online? Yeah. The whole thing. <gasps> Guys. Stephen is so good. You're so good. It's only 148 pages. This is not bad. Yeah. Oh, no, this is the one by the lawyer. Yeah, this is the one by the lawyer. That's crazy. Well... Yeah. This is awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Follow us on – I'm so excited. I'm, like, so <laughs> G'd up. I'm like, yeah, fucking yeah. We're going to do this one day. This is going to be our dream. We're going to – oh, they have maps and stuff. Yeah. So it's, like, just street. down Burke Street. So, like, you go down that Burke yeah. Street and then Collins Street. Yeah. Is that why they call Elizabeth it Collins Street? Is that why they call it Collins Street now? Because of him? Oh, I actually don't know. That's a really good question. Because that would make sense. Yeah. We should find that out. Oh, my gosh, we have to. If anyone else knows, write in. Oh, so many things. I would love to meet Kevin Morgan face-to-face and just be like, you're my idol. (laughs) Along with that other rogue hero who – so there was two of them in the case of – 
My brain is sore. It only does one week at a time. Uh, the young girl in the small town. Oh, um, Shepparton. Yes. Oh my God. What is even those her? two? Those two. Like how she was doing the local newspaper, well. and then the detective. Yeah. That can we? Uh, can we just talk about how when I met Alan Clark, I made a complete dick of myself. Oh, that was the most precious thing. So if you've not listened to Alan Clark's uh, podcast, Unraveled, it is the fucking best and so good. Um, so, oh, I love listening to him. Alan Clark famously um, did this amazing show and then he spoke about Lois Roberts and we went to a talk about a true crime podcast <laughs> thinking it would be like kind of fun but yeah. it was really serious and we are yeah. like, we're out of our depth here. <laughs> we try and integrate a little bit of comedy here and there yeah. and like they're all like, it's really serious. We sit down and interview people. And what like, killed me was that it was like, do you think women are gossipy? That's why they like true crime. And I was like, do you think maybe you should shut up? <laughs> so annoying. Just the worst people. But uh, Alan, um, Alan Clark was there and he was like on a panel of all women and it was just all women in the audience. He's like, yeah, true crime's a women game yeah. but um he talked about Lois Clark and I went up to him completely embarrassed and just was like <laughs> Lois Clark and I just said a lot of shit to him that he and I swear now he has a protection order against me he's like what a creep <laughs> but I want him to do something about Lois That's Clark and apparently he will so let's wait and see um but yeah Sam this Lois, is so good yeah this is so so good thank you I'm so glad um, you enjoyed it Guys, tune in next week where it won't be as good, but maybe it will be. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Follow us on all the things. Facebook. Wonder the podcast. No spaces. Yeah. Facebook. Instagram. Twitter. Reddit. Reddit. Something. Yeah. Something. Something. Whatever. Book club. Email us if you want to. And uh, we'll send you lots of photos of a pretty cat. Yeah. And that's it. Thanks for listening. And bye. Bye.